0: The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of... Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Kevin. This is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are rotten on Rotten Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1995's Waterworld, directed by Kevin Reynolds, starring Kevin Costner, Dennis Hopper, Gene Triplehorn, Tina Majorino and Michael Jeter. Waterworld is a 1995 post-apocalyptic science fiction film. This movie currently holds a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis?
1: In the future, the Earth is engulfed with water when the polar ice caps melt, leaving the lands and civilization beneath the sea. In Waterworld, drifters sail across the waters of the world on their man-made ships, trading for supplies and salvaging what is left of civilization. A mysterious drifter aids a mother and daughter in seeking dry land, a mythical place that a group of savage bandits seek out as well.
0: Okay, Kevin, Waterworld. This was the winner of the Listener's Choice poll, so... We have our listeners to thank for this one. Thanks a lot. (laughs) First off, let me apologize to everyone that's at home who got the shocking disappointment that they couldn't watch this on Netflix. Well, we said last episode that this was on Netflix Instant. Apparently it expired on Netflix like very recently and I just didn't realize it. Perhaps it's a blessing in disguise that (laughs) you don't have to sit through this movie. Whereas we had to go down to Blockbuster and paid cold, hard cash To watch this movie. (laughs) All right, Kevin, you in particular have an extremely checkered past at this movie.
1: Well, when I was... 12 years old, I actually saw this in the theaters. Um, I went with my family. I remembered very little from that experience. I think, like, the only thing I really remembered
0: very well was the opening Universal logo for the movie. That's pretty much it. That's a great sign. The only thing you can remember about a movie is the logo. All right. Well, Kevin, Waterworld is a pretty infamous movie. Like, I remember back in 1995 how, like, the media were just going buck wild about how it was so expensive and had all these problems, how bad it was. I'm going to go into the history of Waterworld. It's pretty long, but I think it's worth it because it paints a very interesting picture as to what the hell was going on when they made this movie. The film was the follow-up project to the last collaboration between Kevin Costner and Kevin Reynolds, who previously worked together on Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in 1991. Gene Hackman, James Caan, Lawrence Fishburne, and Gary Oldman all turned down the role of the deacon. Anna Paquin was the first choice to play NOLA. The script underwent 36 different drafts which involved six different writers. During production, the film became notorious as it was plagued by a series of cost overruns and production setbacks. Universal Pictures initially authorized a budget of $100 million, but ballooning production costs eventually ran to an estimated $175 million, a record sum for a film production at the time. Kevin Costner personally invested $22 million of his own money into the film. The 1,000 ton floating set used up all the available steel in the Hawaiian Islands. When more was required, it had to be flown in from California. The thousand ton floating set did not have any restrooms, nor were there any on any of the 30 boats used by the cast and crew. The result was that filming had to halt so those in need could be ferried to a barge anchored near the shore, which had several portable toilets on it. Kevin Costner was put up at a cost of $4,500 a night in an oceanfront villa with a butler, chef, and his own private swimming pool. In contrast, crew members were forced to live in uninsulated condominiums that were subject to temperature swings of up to 50 degrees. <laughs> This iniquity of accommodations contributed to onset hostility and low morale. The studio didn't spend any money researching weather patterns off Hawaii's Kona Coast where the film was shot. If they had, they would have learned that the area was subject to 45-mile-an-hour winds which constantly blew the set out of position and ruined shots. Kevin Costner was on set for 157 days, working six days a week. At one point, he nearly died when he got caught up in a squall while tied to the mast of his trimaran. Gene Triplehorn and Tina Majorino were nearly drowned on their first day of filming when the trimaran they were on sank, dragging them behind it. Joss Whedon of Buffy the Vampire fame flew out to the set to do last-minute rewrites on the script and later described it as seven weeks of hell level. Cool. Rumors around that after the filming ran notoriously over budget, Kevin Costner fired Kevin Reynolds as director and shot the last few scenes himself. Other rumors suggest Reynolds was not fired but simply walked off the set with two weeks of filming left. Their previously acclaimed partnership ended with this film. The movie debuted at the box office at number one with a budget of $175 million. The film grossed a mere $88 million at the US box office which seemed to make it an all-time box office bomb. The film, however, did much better overseas with $176 million at the foreign box office for a total of $264 million, and good VHS and later DVD sales giving the movie over $100 million in profit. The film's release was accompanied by a tie-in novel and video game and also three popular attractions at Universal Studios Hollywood, Singapore, and Japan called Waterworld! A Live Sea War Spectacular which are still running as of 2010. The film was nominated for four Razzie Awards including World worst picture, worst actor Kevin Costner, and worst director, with Dennis Hopper winning the award as worst supporting actor. Oh, by the way, you know that sea show spectacular thing? It's on YouTube if you want to watch it. Oh, I do. Yeah, so I'll post a link to that on Com. What do you think of all that? That was so much more interesting than this movie.
1: I agree, right? I really do agree like all that trouble that they went through. That should have been someone should have been filming all that. I like the idea that the director just walked off the set <laughs> in like,
0: disgust. <laughs> <This> <laughs> movie shit i'm out of here <laughs> okay kevin let's uh, let's do what we always do at the top of the show and we'll go one by one through all the actors and we'll see how you thought they did okay first up Kevin Costner. I was really left wondering after watching
1: this why this guy or how he made it as a movie star.
0: I was actually in my mind while we were watching this movie. I was making Dennis Quaid comparisons because he was so dead in this. Right, he, emotionless. Kevin Costner. I don't want to bash the guy, but his performance in this wooden isn't even. The, he he has no stage presence or charisma of any kind. He just has that a very like laid back kind of
1: like southern guy air about him which can can be used correctly in a movie like field of dreams like he was really good in field of dreams but that same part doesn't play
0: well in an action movie there was no emotion in anything he said at all in this no all right next up dennis hopper may he rest in peace he, he kinda, tried
1: right he, yeah he, he played that just that villain guy that dennis hopper's really good at playing I cracking think.
0: jokes and doing all this and that he's
1: very over the top but i think that's what he was supposed to be. All right, next up, Jean Triplehorn. I don't even know what to say about her. I don't know if I've ever seen her in anything else. She hey. wasn't very... She didn't steal any scenes. She's pretty. Yeah. Uh,
0: we, we, we had a, a big internal debate <laughs> on whether or not she's attractive. I say yes. Okay, Uh, the little girl, Tina majorino She was pretty annoying. You know, uh, fun fact, she would later grow up to be who? Deb, right? From Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, she's the love interest from Napoleon Dynamite. And you, you nailed it. You're like, that looks like the girl from Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, because... because... Because she looks exactly the same Yeah, You're right. It's shocking. It's like, whoa. All right, Kevin, let's just dive into this thing. You know, Kevin, we actually got a voicemail from a listener about this.
1: To listen to your
0: messages, press 1.
1: This is Jennifer from Washington, D.C., reviewing Waterworld. I think one word for it is bad, but I know everyone wants to talk about the first three minutes of the movie. And I think it can be best summed up with the Dana Carvey quote. From that same era, you can't pee into a Mr. Coffee and get Folger's Choice. So the rest of the movie was pretty forgettable, but I think everyone remembers the first three minutes. Thanks for this podcast, guys. It was really entertaining to listen to while I do mindless tasks at work. You have a great day, and keep on reviewing those bad movies. End of message.
0: That was great. Thanks for the voicemail. All right, Kevin, uh, let's. uh Let's dive into this thing, I guess. I mean, quite frankly, I think that this is going to be one of the hardest movies to talk about. Like, I think this is even going to be harder than the proposal to talk about, because there is just nothing in this thing. It was hard to watch, and it's going to be
1: really hard to kind of try and relive it. I'm not sure any of this is really worth talking about, with the exception of the very beginning.
0: This is probably the most memorable thing from this movie, because I remember people talking about this all the time back in 1995. So the movie opens up with Kevin Costner taking a a hot piss into a jar. (laughs) 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 and and then he puts it through his contraption and gets pure water out of it and then drinks it because apparently i guess because in water world it's just salt water everywhere and there's no real water to drink so they have to purify their own piss and drink it over and over and over again
1: yeah they drink filtered warm
0: urine water why don't they just filter the salt water all right, so Kevin Costner goes to what they call atolls in this movie, which are just like floating fortresses, I guess. Is that fair to say? I guess so, yeah. They're like, they're like the last remaining cities just floating on the water where all these disheveled bum people lived. And right off the bat, let me just say this. I strongly dislike the way this movie looks. The aesthetics of this movie, it's ugly, right? Yeah, it looks terrible. It's horrible looking. And the the screenwriter, the guy who wrote this movie, he flat out said that his inspiration for it was mad. Mad Max, and it's blatantly apparent the way everything looks, because this is just Mad Max on the water. I've come to realize I really don't like this kind of post-apocalyptic world like this, where people are all shabby. I just don't like people that are all dirty, shabby, and disheveled looking. Yeah, It's not interesting to me.
1: I don't know why. It was like someone one day decided that that's what the future would look like in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, everybody's
0: clothes and, are ripped and, and they're dirty.
1: Yeah, like they're all pieced together.
0: Like Zion and the Matrix. And yeah, everyone subscribes to that. I don't like it. Kevin Costner goes on to this city, this floating, the last floating city, and apparently they use dirt as their currency you know they drink piss for their (laughs) drinks and they use dirt for their currency dirt's like gold yeah they're like oh my god it's pure dirt and the guy's like licking it he's like oh oh pure dirt it's amazing and they use it for cash he knew
1: like the the chemical compound of the dirt
0: by by tasting it it. yeah (laughs) so i mean i guess that's kind of interesting Yeah, this is a horrible existence. Like of all the post-apocalyptic scenarios, this is one of the worst. Yeah, it's it's pretty bleak out there for these people. You and I saw the road, right? That's probably the bleakest post-apocalyptic scenario. Yeah, that that destroyed my soul. Yeah, but at least they can walk around. (laughs) They're not stuck on a fucking boat for the rest of That's true. Of their lives. That, that is really true. <laughs> yeah. Very quickly, the townsfolk in this place, they turn on Kevin Costner. They accost Costner. <laughs> and they realize that Kevin Costner, he's a mutant, like the Submariner <laughs> and, and, and Aquaman. He's got gills behind his ears. He's a fish man. Could I ask you this right now? Now that we've seen the entire thing, what bearing does that have on the story? He could have just been a normal dude, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, did he really need to have gills? Like, did that, did that accomplish anything?
1: I mean, it allowed him to swim down to the bottom of the ocean. In an collect. absurd scene, which will come up. Yes. Well, everything's absurd just about right, this all right. movie. All right. But I mean, that showed where he got all his dirt from. Ah, <sighs> so what? I completely agree. So what? It was it, unnecessary.
0: Like, if, if you make a movie where in the opening scene, you're like, I'm a mutant. I have a superpower. You better do something with that, right? Especially if you're the last one or the only one of your kind. Yeah. Why wasn't that the plot? Like, where are the other ones? Where are the other mutants? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, you, you, Kevin and I were, had this, a little mini discussion when we watched this movie because we spent a lot more time talking to each other than we did watching the movie. Yep. We were watching this thing. And I asked him, like, I'm going to ask you people at home this question, too. Let's say you're the screenwriter. Water world. That's the concept. The world is flooded with water. What plot do you write for that movie? That's going to be the, I I guess that's the question of the week right there, right? That's that's an interesting question.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a really involved question of the week. Yeah. All
0: right. So, so. But no one's going to say this storyline. Yeah. This this ridiculous plot line of this magic girl and magic fish guy.
1: (laughs) They never, that's the thing. They never did anything with it. It was, hey, this guy's got gills behind his ears,
0: and that's it. Why even bother? There was no point. And uh, by the way, the guy that wrote this script, he's the same guy that wrote uh, The Chronicles of Riddick. He created Riddick, Pitch Black, and all that. And that character also has a wacky power, but at least he uses it. He, he Riddick can see in the dark.
1: Mutation as we know it is kind of random. Yeah? It's not like if you were around water a lot, you all of a sudden would just sprout gills. Uh-huh. Like, How did these even evolve? Like, where did they come from? What were the building blocks to this? I have so many questions. His daddy drank too much piss.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he overdosed on piss. That's it. That's my answer. His mama od on piss in the womb. He's a fetal urine baby. <laughs> Kevin is gagging on water right now. How oh, apropos. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so they all decide that they're going to murder Kevin Costner for being different. They put him in a cage and they start dipping it into like a, a vat of yellow goo. I, I don't know if that's supposed to be like acid or, or what.
1: I, I I didn't get that either. They showed earlier that they
0: dumped- They're dead in there. Yeah. So it must be like a compost pile or something. Yeah, I guess a compost pile would probably be the most accurate description. Yeah, so they, so they, they're, they're lowering him into this and while this is happening, Dennis Hopper and his goons attack. They're called the Smokers and these guys are the- they're, this is where the Mad Max comes in because they look like, imagine the people from Mad Max, but instead of them being in cars, they're on boats and stuff. And they come in on jet skis and they have airplanes and they have all this stuff, which raises a lot of questions. Like where are they getting all this oil for their vehicles? And how do they even know how to fly an airplane? These primitive people that, that live on water all the time. And they're like an open sea. Weavers don't hold that much gas. They don't go that far. It's stupid. It's really bad looking. Like the There's a lot of these Action scenes, right, where people on jet skis and airplanes are just flying and ro- and going around every which way, yeah. shooting their guns wildly everywhere. Mm-hmm. Nothing's getting hit. No, it, it's boring, right? Like it's dull.
1: Yeah, there was no excitement. Usually, for an action scene like that, you'd want a little bit like on the edge of your seat. No. But there was none of that. Although that could have been because we didn't care about any of the characters too. And whose fault is that? Everyone's fault.
0: The actors, the director, the writer. <laughs> no, no one brought their A game to this, huh? So uh, Kevin Costner is gonna drowned to death in this yellow goop and he strikes a deal with Gene Triplehorn to save his life and uh, she breaks him out of the cage they they escape but when they're out Kevin Costner says like he he decides that he's going to like murder the child the little girl yeah. because she's dead weight yeah and she's taking up the supplies but then in exchange Gene Triplehorn sells her body to <laughs> Kevin Costner and we get this extremely se- sexy scene uh no no? No. It's the opposite of sexy? Yeah, it actually was the opposite. Yeah, so she she pretty much prostitutes herself. She like flicks her wrist and her robes burst off <laughs> in like a single fluid motion. <laughs> <laughs> she undressed herself with her pinky. Yeah, it was it was pretty impressive. And then we see the like a naked woman's back, and I say a naked woman's back, and not Gene Triplehorn's back because it wasn't her; it was a body double. Gene Triplehorn refused to go naked in this movie, so they picked some other girl to do it. And the backstory is huh, backstory. <laughs> yeah, she she got to choose who her her butt double was. So was, they had an extremely awkward audition scene for that. There's another uh, 20 grand at the door <laughs> for a butt double. Let's just talk about the girl right now. We might as well dive into this right here with about the girl. So the big plot point of this movie is that this little girl, she's got a tattoo on her back, which is a map to Dry Land, the last Dry Land. I was under the impression that Jean Triplehorn and this girl were mother and daughter. That's what I, I thought. Like, I must have missed that throwaway line where they said that, She's
1: not. Really. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I thought that they were mother and daughter up until the very
0: end. Yeah, and then They're like, oh, no, she's not. I'm like, wait, wh- huh? The whole c- idea that this little baby has a tattoo on her back with the ultimate secret. What do you think of that? That's terrible.
1: <laughs> this girl was, how old was this girl? She eight years old. Yeah, eight, right? And she has a tattoo on her back. When, when did she get the tattoo? It must have been years ago, right? That she doesn't remember.
0: She must have got the tattoo at birth.
1: Yeah, was she an infant and she got a, a tattoo? If you got a tattoo as an infant and then grew up, would it even look? It'd be all
0: right? distorted, Yeah. Right?
1: Okay, so then there's a scene where the little girl, and we're going to have to say little girl and Kevin Costner and Gene Triplehorn because I don't know if any of these people had
0: actual names. Okay, well, Kevin Costner's character, he's one of those characters where they don't have a name, they have a title. He was the Mariner. Aren't they all Mariners? <laughs> The little girl's name is Enola, and I don't remember what Gene Triplehorn's character was.
1: So the little girl goes down below in the boat and steals a crayon from a Crayola box that Kevin Costner has stashed away and starts drawing all over his boat. So he freaks out and basically ends up throwing her overboard. She hits the water and starts screaming like like a lunatic because... (laughs) Because she can't swim. In a world where there's no land, wouldn't you be able to
0: swim better than you could walk? <laughs> okay, so this was pretty stupid. And then immediately after this, we get a scene of just what the fuck insanity, which is just mind bending. Doesn't make any sense at all. So the two girls are on the boat and they're starving and they're complaining they want food. They're like, food, we want food. So Kevin Costner goes, oh, you want food, huh? Well, all right, let me get you some food. So he grabs a rope and jumps off the boat and then he's dangling in the water and we're like, what the hell is he doing? What is (laughs) going on here? And then we see like the camera is underneath him and it rises up. And apparently Costner was using himself as bait because an enormous CG monster flies out of the water and tries to eat him. Oh no, it does eat him, right? Yeah, it does eat him. And then what is he, burst out of its stomach or something? He
1: did. I don't know how he did that. He had like the little like spear gun with him. I don't know how that... That creature exploded, right? Yeah, I don't know how it exploded.
0: There has been no indication whatsoever in this movie that there are giant monstrous sea creatures at all no, no one has said anything Nope. there's no implication of it well actually they were eating that shark in the beginning right but it still looked like a normal shark but this thing looked like like a, it looked like a megalodon like a prehistoric yeah, beast it definitely
1: looked like something from the, like the jurassic it just seemed like they just were like hey let's throw a giant monster in here it'll look uh-huh. cool the audience will cheer i, I agree i jeered <laughs>
0: After all this crap, we go to a scene where Kevin Costner decides to show Gene Triplehorn where he got his dirt. Like, let me show you the secret. This is where the I'm a dirt farmer. Let me show you where I get him from. <laughs> so he he makes I don't even know how to describe what he makes. It's like a bubble.
1: Yeah, it's just a big bubble. It's a
0: giant like kind of bubble dome thing where she goes under it and he ties a rope to it and they swim down to the bottom of the ocean. And when he goes down there, he sees that there are cities. You had a lot of problem with this. I had a lot of problems with this. I'm just going to jump to the end right now and say that they, they, guess what? They do find dry land. And the dry land that they find is just like at the end of 2012, The one of the last pieces of dry land is at the top of Mount Everest, which is the tallest point on Earth, okay? That is how tall water world is. Somehow the polar ice caps melted and generated more water than there's ever been on the planet earth <laughs> and the water had rose to such an enormous level that is to the top of mount everest okay fine mm-hmm. I- i'll fine i'll take it in order for them to swim down to the bottom of a city and I'm not talking to the tippy top of the city they go to street level mm-hmm. the amount of pressure would have burst her body when she was down there She is not a fish man She's a human being. Unbelievable. There's like they go down and they see like the buildings are all destroyed and there's submarines down there and everything. Mm-hmm. Would have been a cool sequence if they were like in a submarine going yeah. down there. Yeah. But the fact that he's actually swimming through it is absurd looking, and he's completely
1: unprotected. Also. Yeah. So yeah, he's got gills, His but does skull that mean like would have popped? Yeah, he's not immune to pressure. I hated this scene. I really <laughs> didn't like it. And while they're down there, they of course leave the little girl. All alone on the boat, which the whole movie up to this point is these smokers just trailing them trying to steal the little girl. So they just leave her alone for however long it takes to swim. I mean, they swam down. They didn't take, like, a, a little, like, propellered submarine or anything No, down it was there. man-powered. I mean, that must have taken hours, right? To swim that far <laughs> down and then back up. They left the girl all alone. So, naturally, what happened next
0: Roll The pirates were there. Of course. <laughs> all right, so after this is done, uh, apparently Jean Triplehorn, she no longer hates Kevin Costner. She's fallen in love with him. And they have an actual kid kiss on dry land this has to get the award for the worst on-screen kiss i've ever seen
1: it looked like one was going for an open mouth kiss and the other wasn't (laughs)
0: and and and, and their heads collided like (laughs) like two hams it it looked terrible
1: it was sloppy
0: yeah It, it was sloppy
1: That had to have been the only take they had. Because there's no way that if you did it again,
0: it wouldn't be better than that. It was the most passionless kiss I've ever seen. There was no chemistry between either of these characters. So Dennis Hopper and the pirates, they grab the little girl then take him, her back to their hideout, which happens to be, by the way, the Exxon Valdez. As we all know, that's the oil tanker that tipped over and it spilled the oil everywhere. So I guess that's where they're getting their oil from.
1: It doesn't really make any sense, though, right? Because the Valdez didn't Sp- run aground and, and spill all, all, all the contents. So I'm not really sure... How that makes any sense at all?
0: Yeah, that's a really heavy-handed metaphor for something. I don't know what exactly, but it's definitely heavy-handed. You know, at this point, I got to be honest with you, I was falling asleep. This has never happened to me before on this show, or ever, really. Like, I, I don't fall asleep during movies, and I was nodding off. During this, yeah, wasn't this? I
1: think we started talking to each other, and I think we talked to each other through like two scenes of dialogue. I don't know what was said, and I don't think it had any
0: and no bearing whatsoever yeah, on the plot. Matter. This is such a boring movie; it's so dull. I was put, I put my head down on the pillow, and I, I would have passed out. I, I, if, <laughs> if, if I didn't force myself to get up, I would have fallen asleep. Qu- quite frankly, there's nothing worth talking about here. So the girls on the boat, and Kevin Costner comes in and he rescues her. I mean, that's pretty much it. And the only thing that's even memorable to talk about in this is that kevin costner shoots uh like a harpoon at dennis, dennis hopper's airplane as he's taking off and he slides down the zip line while an explosion goes off behind him and i remember that being like in the trailer and the commercial and stuff back then
1: yeah i mean he slid down that zip line faster than the airplane was moving yeah so much faster that he beat it by like a good <laughs> like 30 40 seconds so that he could gather himself get a hook Hook it on another line And then run out and throw it on the airplane It was absurd It was even more absurd that then the plane crashed And the girl was like unharmed Dennis Hopper
0: was like maimed
1: And they were both in the front seat of this airplane. This is a
0: little girl. This is the exact same thing like in Legion where the baby survived. This is worse because it's it's an airplane (laughs)
1: crashing. It's also worth mentioning that when they wanted to move the Exxon Valdez, that it was basically everyone that was on the ship Went down to the bottom and stuck out these giant oars. Like they were like an an ancient Viking ship or something. Yeah, exactly. And apparently could row this thing. Those tankers. (laughs) are like the size of a city there's there's no way that, that is physically possible
0: i don't care how many people down there how many wooden ores they're using
1: you would need such giant ores and so many so much that force like human beings wouldn't be able to do that there's yeah. no way it was just another example of them being like hey here's a cool idea because it's not like they didn't have the fuel
0: The fuel was on the thing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Just tacked on. That's a great great point. For no reason. The whole thing was filled with fuel. (laughs) My last note here is the last daring rescue escape. The little girl ends up in the water for some reason. And Kevin Costner's in a hot air balloon. He's floating in a hot air balloon above them. I thought he was even going to describe (laughs) where this balloon came from because who cares? doesn't matter. He's in a hot air balloon. (laughs) Okay, everybody at home, try to imagine this in your mind. The little girl's in the water. Try to picture her from a bird's eye view looking down. Try to imagine like a triangle shape where at each of the points there's a jet ski and all these points are converging on the center where the little girl is. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Kevin Costner grabs a rope. It looks like a normal rope. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it does. And then he jumps down off the <laughs> off the hot air balloon, kamikaze stores this girl. But luckily the rope is just long enough <laughs> Then he (laughs) doesn't plow through this girl and snap her spinal column. And he he gingerly plugs her out of the water. (laughs) And it turns (laughs) out the rope isn't a rope at all. It's a bungee cord. (laughs) And he flies back up just in the nick of time where all those points in the triangle, all those people on jet skis, they all converge at once. And they're like, oh, they look at each other (laughs) with shock looks. And they explode in the most comical Thing I've ever seen. It was the most outrageous
1: ending I've ever <laughs> seen. So much so that if, if you made a clip of that right and you started with just seeing the girl in the water with the three jet skis equidistant from her in a triangle, yeah, and an end with how how that scene ends, and put that on YouTube, that's a viral video that goes crazy. Everyone <laughs> would want to see that. It'd be on Tosh 0. It would go nuts. You would assume it was a joke. There's no way you'd assume that that was a serious movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, All right. So... So it, ultimately, in the end, uh, apparently the old man. There's an old man, and, and he reads like in an Asian magazine or something, and he cracks the code on the back of the tattoo, and he realizes that they're their coordinates, their latitude and longitude. And he uses his sextant, and they go to dry land, which is on the top of Mount Everest. And Kevin Costner, the mariner, they see horses and everything, and he's like, "Oh no, the, the I gotta go back to the sea," you know. He's a fish out of water. Yeah, exactly. The end. That was Waterworld.
1: <sighs> of the many, many questions I have, I think the biggest one is, how did the girl get off the island originally? And
0: how did she get there in the first what, what did they pull a Moses and put her in her basket and just let the tides wash her away? Yeah,
1: like how did she, how did Gene Triplehorn find her? Or how did, how? what is their relationship? When did it
0: start? No matter what solution to that problem there is, it's shit. It's all crap. Yeah, was she, like kid- was she kidnapped by someone? If she was kidnapped by somebody, they'd be like, oh, wow, there's dry land here. And yeah. They would never
1: leave. There's no scenario that makes sense that this girl was on that island and then wasn't anymore.
0: Why would she ever leave? Why would they ever ditch her away to tell people where they are? If I'm
1: going to stretch, it looked like when they got to the island... There were two skeletons, like, laid in a bed, right? they were her parents. They were the parents, supposedly. I guess we're to assume they're the only two people that were on that island. Is the assumption that, like, they knew they were dying, so they they did something to to send her away so she wouldn't be alone? So we're
0: talking Superman scenario here. Yeah,
1: okay. Isn't a life alone on that island better than almost certain death at sea? The basic premises of this movie just fall apart when you think
0: about them. All right, Kevin, so that was... That was Waterworld. Let's find out what the real critics had to say about this movie. It's one of those marginal pictures you're not unhappy to have seen, but can't quite recommend. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. Oh, Roger. Ebert. Wow. Oh, man. Okay, nearly 200 million down the drain, and you get this astonishingly mediocre action wannabe epic. Michael DeQuina. TheMovieReport.com And finally, Waterworld is ugly, loud, and stupefyingly absurd. Barbara Schulgasser, San Francisco Examiner. Okay, Kevin, this movie currently holds a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad?
1: Oh, yeah. It's a one for me. I don't see how it has any redeeming qualities. I don't see how anyone could watch this movie and find more than 50%
0: of it enjoyable. As for me, is it really that bad? No, it's worse! (laughs) I was
1: wondering what movie was gonna make you pull that one out <laughs> and I, I guess we found it
0: this movie is horrible and oh one 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 this is one of the worst movies I, that we've watched on this show there's no question it's horrible and it's not that it's like angeringly bad I'm not pounding my fists in rage like that was horrible like, like no it brings of, no emotion out of you whatsoever that's the worst part of all it is so long it is a soul draining experience it's just Dull, dull. <laughs> I am an empty shell of a man. Listen, when I walked into this room, I was young and virile. I feel bald and impotent right now. Like that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, this is a horrible movie. Don't ever watch it. Don't ever see it. Stay away. You know,
1: <laughs> it's not even wor- worth saying. Like it's one of those movies. that's so bad. You need to say it's. It's not. It's not even close to that. No, it's so bad. You need to avoid
0: it. That's it. Yeah, that's that's the final word. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, let's read some listener mail. Al writes in about Waterworld. He says, here are some points you might want to look at. Number one, a total meltdown of the ice caps would Obviously, cause a lot of flooding, but that much? Is there that much water? Seems unlikely. And you know what, Al, you're right. A- according to uh, what I read, if the polar ice caps did melt, the oceans would rise 100 feet. You know, that's enough to cause like Manhattan to be screwed over, but the entire planet to be destroyed? I don't think so. All right, number two, ships cannot remain at sea indefinitely, they need to pull into port frequently for repairs. I was at sea for five years and probably spent half my time painting. Ships have to occasionally be dry docked to have the hulls scraped and painted. Why? Because metal rusts.
1: That's a great (coughs) point. That's true. I mean, like, I think, like, the Navy ships are painted, like, every six months or something.
0: Yeah. That it was the Exxon Valdez was also stupidly and unnecessarily heavy-handed. Three, how are they fueling that thing? For that fact, how about the gas for the jet skis? The film may have explained this lamely, I'm sure. Four. Cigarettes go stale and lose their potency over time. And Spam certainly has an expiration date. We were both two things that they were consuming yeah, recklessly. We didn't did talk about the
1: cigarettes here. We talked about it during the
0: movie. But yeah. there
1: seemed to be an endless supply of cigarettes. And I
0: just said, there's a lot of stuff that they had in this movie that didn't make any sense. That They had crayons, they had markers, which is, this is 500 years later. <laughs> like, I've had markers dry up on me within a week. And they have markers that work 500 <laughs> years later. You know, there's it, it, a lot of crap like that oh weren't there like magazines under the water that he grabbed like they were just underwater yeah yeah so all right it's like whatever all right so thanks for the email al If you want to reach us, you can contact us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. All right, now it's time for the question of the week. The question of the week last week was, what are some sequels that are just rehashes of the original? Josh from Tulsa writes in and says, Even though I like them, the Back to the Future sequels are both rehashes of the first movie, but the changes in location are enough to keep it funny instead of hacky. And Titanic 2 is a rehash of Titanic, except really cheap and crappy. Spoiler alert the boat sinks again. I just saved you an hour and a half of mind-numbing dumbness. You're welcome. All right, Anonymous left a great comment. He said, The Transporter, Transporter 2, and Transporter 3 are basically all the same movie. Jason Stasem drives an Audi really fast, does something bad, then falls in love with the chick he was somehow wronging, then kicks the bad guy's ass. Crank and Crank 2 were basically the same. Two filmmakers with too much Red Bull in their system running around after Jason Statham, adrenalizing, shocking himself. Come to think of it, you could have a Jason Statham marathon. Okay, Allison left a comment. She said, Paranormal Activity 2 was almost identical to the first. It seems they made no effort to top the first one, considering all they did was add a dog and a baby. And finally... Quaid Tastic Mr. Justin left a comment. He says, The Highlander series. There really should only have been one. <laughs> That's the
1: lowest compliment you can give a series.
0: <laughs> oh, one more. Melinda says, I love the Ocean 11 series, but they are basically the same. And I also agree with Josh from Tulsa. Back to the Future movies are identical. I mentioned this earlier, so for the question of the week this week, if you were writing Waterworld the movie, if I said to you, the world has flooded, we're calling it Waterworld, come up with a plot, go, what would you have come up with? To entice you to enter, we're going to have a little contest, a little Waterworld contest, all right? (laughs) This this is what we're going to do for the question of the week. This week, it's going to be a voicemail-only question of the week. Call us at our voicemail at 973-797-YEAH. Y E A H. That's 9324. 973 797 9324. You call us up. You leave us a really quick voicemail. You come up with a better plot for the Waterworld movie. And to sweeten the pot, whoever calls in with the best possible answer, you're going to win an amazing prize. And what that prize is, I'm going to give you full control of the show. The winner will get to pick, flat out get to pick whatever movie we review next. Doesn't have to be a Netflix instant. I'll just get it from Netflix or Blockbuster or whatever. You have full control. As long as it's not like a porno or something, (laughs) you get to steer the show. So whoever comes up with the best idea gets to decide what torture we have to sit through next. Call us up at our number at 973-797-9324. Leave us your awesome water world plot synopsis. You, you'll get a lot of points if you can make us laugh.
1: Definitely. How about
0: that? At the end of your plot synopsis, make sure to say what movie you want us to review and then we'll do it. I'm going to give them two weeks. I, I want everybody to do this. So during the next Listener's Choice episode, I'll announce the winner. So you got two weeks to call up the voicemail and leave your amazing... Waterworld plot synopsis. Make it funny, make it clever, make it interesting. Whoever's the best will get to flat out choose the next movie we review. Now's the time that we announce the theme for the next Listener's Choice episode. And the theme will be asteroid movies. And your choices are Deep Impact versus Armageddon. If you don't know what any of these movies are, don't worry. Just go over to yesthatbad.com where I post trailers to both of these movies. And you can vote in the poll and decide which of these two movies we review next. Deep Impact versus Armageddon. And as for next week, we are going to be reviewing a doozy. This is going to be a monster of a movie. This is a big one. Transformers. The Michael Bay epic. Transformers is next week. Get ready for that. If you've seen that movie, and I know that every single person that is listening to this show has seen this movie. Send me an email, send me a voicemail. I wanna hear from you, I wanna read it on the show, what you thought of this thing. Get ready, we're doing Transformers, it's finally happening. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing to the show. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please give us a positive review on iTunes. Those reviews really help us out. Please help us spread the word about the show by liking us on Facebook and talking about us on Twitter. And you can do both of those from yeahitsthatbad.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at yeahitsbad. Once again, thanks for listening.
1: To listen to your messages, press 1. Hi guys, this is Martin calling in from Mazatlan, Mexico, where I'm spending my vacation trying to get some surf and maybe a little bit of relaxation. Waterworld was, to me, one of the most ridiculous movies I've ever seen. I'm well aware of all the movie's production problems, but in my opinion, the biggest problem for this movie was producing a believable and interesting story. All the inane scientific impossibilities aside, the movie left me feeling no emotion at all for any of the characters. There were a few scenes that were entertaining, but like most other critics of this movie, I would have rather been lost
0: at sea. I'm going to give Waterworld a dismal one out of five. Later, guys. End of message.